Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today, out of Galatians chapter 2, we're going to talk about the controversy, the argument that arose between Paul and Peter over legalism. Peter says, oh, I was saved by grace, but now I've made perfect by the law. Paul brings this out. If you were saved by grace, you continue in grace. If you switch from grace to the law, the law makes you a sinner again. So Jesus saved you just to make you a sinner again. The whole contradiction is incredible. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian, and welcome again to Student of the Word. We're glad that you are here today. I want you to open up in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to take a story that probably would seem like it would fit very well in the book of Acts, but the book of Acts left this story out in the founding of the church at Galatia. And Paul mentions it and becomes so important in what we're going to be teaching today because I want to talk about salvation and spirituality by the Word of God and not by the law. And so churches get confused over this. In fact, to be honest with you, uh, Paul established his ministry out of the church at Antioch. He helped to found the church at Antioch. And uh, he and Barnabas helped set up this church. And uh, because the church at, at uh, Jerusalem had slid so far into legalism that uh, uh, Paul was looking for something else. And, he, and then uh, Barnabas helped to start this church up there and call for Paul to come and help him. And they established this church on the grace of God. It was a rapidly growing church. And it grew so big, so fast, that the church at Jerusalem became very jealous of them and one day sent out Peter and sent Peter out to the church in Antioch to find out what was going on. And to be honest, I'll tell you some things that's brought out in this passage of scripture, that when Peter got there, he got so enthralled by the things and remembered the way that he used to have the Spirit of God minister in his life and, and the life that he got from the Word of God and the fellowship of the people and the fact that Jews and Gentiles all got along together. The most important thing was the Word of God, great praise and worship. Nobody argued over food or anything of the law. And he loved it so much, he forgot to call back to Jerusalem and tell them what was going on. And they finally had to send out some people to check on Peter and find out what's going on. And that led to a great controversy in the church, a splitting of the church, of legalism. And it simply comes to this. You know, there's churches that are strongly legalistic. You got to walk by certain rules and regulations to maintain your Christian life or even to stay a Christian. You can lose your salvation. And they'll get into that. And uh, in this particular story, I think it's interesting, Antioch did shape up very quickly. After Paul and Barnabas got together and, uh, and dealt with each other, and Paul and Peter got together in front of the congregation that that church changed, got back on track, and Paul began to take out others from that church and start missionary trips and establish churches all around the known area at that time throughout Asia. It's really interesting to note that churches that teach the grace of God rapidly expand. They want to get this message out there. But churches that are legalistic, they might have a church or two they start. But to be honest with you, Jerusalem started no churches. They were so jealous of other successful works. They wanted to be the only successful work and they tried to trap it and hold it in there and it didn't work. And the church of Galatia, man, all they wanted to do was share what they had, get other people involved. They didn't care if they were Jewish, Gentile. They all came together at the church there. And uh, as they were uh, attending the church there in Antioch, the church began to expand. Paul started his missionary trips out of there and literally changed the entire world out of a church called Antioch. That's the power 
of the local church and what God really wants. And so as you're getting to Galatians chapter two, I trust you found it by now. I just wanna thank you again for those who are partners with me. Man, I appreciate you so much. I know I say this every broadcast, but I appreciate you so much. The dependability of the finances coming in is so great. I thank God for those offerings you give and occasionally give another offering, another offering, thank you, because they're all needed. But those of you who become partners, man, the faithfulness of your giving is what's so important. I, I You basically make yourself uh, faithful toward me as you have toward God. Of course, God is where it all ultimately goes to and comes back from. But there's things that I enjoy doing, the expansion of the TV broadcast and writing of books and things like this is just so important, but it's not possible without you. I know you say, no, God makes it all happen, but God works through people. If I preach the word of God and people get saved, it comes through me to them, they receive and God gets the glory. When God gives finances to me, he does it through people. Uh, given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shall men give into your bosom. God works through people and you're the people that God works through. Thank you again for being a great partner with me. And if you'd like to become a partner with me, just go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And again, I thank you for that. Galatians chapter two, Let's take a look at verse 11. And uh, we'll be starting here in just a moment. Antioch is a young, thriving church. They understood the principles of grace taught by Paul and by Barnabas up until this point. It had far surpassed the Jerusalem church, so the great evangelistic and missionary push now came from Antioch. So Jerusalem decided they would send out a delegation to see why the Antioch church was doing so well. And the problem at Jerusalem was legalism. They just couldn't see it. These men had come up through the Jewish religion, and by coming through the Jewish religion and receiving Jesus as Savior, they kept going back trying to bring the law back to the church itself. And these Christians, of which many of them, even in Jerusalem, were Gentiles. Now that they've been born again, now that they're born again, they want to return these people to the law and get them under the law. In fact, what's interesting is the Gentiles who accepted Jesus as Savior, many of them had never been under the law, and now we're having to go back and act like Jews. And this is what was going on at the church in Jerusalem. But they also wanted to go and install this in the church at Antioch, which was really a great Gentile area. And many people were accepting Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, and people were going out everywhere to spread the gospel of Jesus, including Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey that they had. But yet even the strongest churches who teach the grace of God need to watch out because legalism can creep in so easy. The growing return to the law in Jerusalem for maintaining the Christian life made its way to the growing church in grace, which was Antioch. Only a strong minister, that was Paul himself, who understood grace could settle the problem. Take a look with me here at verse 11. It says, now when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Peter was sent to Antioch from the church at Jerusalem, but Paul knew the facts before he faced Peter. Peter is the first of a delegation coming to Antioch. And while he's there, another part of that delegation is going to come. But Paul stopped it in its tracks before these people got there. Peter's understanding of grace was seen earlier in the Jerusalem meeting over his going to Cornelius's house. The housetop vision showed Peter the meaning of clean and unclean meat, but it didn't speak about food. 
the vision was speaking about people. And what God was trying to address in his heart, he was about to go to the house of Gentiles, Romans, the house of Cornelius, and by going there, he would have to give the gospel to uh, Gentiles. And all of a sudden, he, he didn't want to do that, but he was on the rooftop, and here's where the Lord gave him the vision, then announced to him he was going to go and speak in the house of Cornelius, and suddenly things probably started coming back to him. The first message he gave was in the streets of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and he spoke to thousands and thousands of Jews out of every nation under heaven. They accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but he forgot something. The fact that at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And all the world doesn't mean the Jewish world. It means the Roman world. It means the, the other nations of the world. All these other nations that were Gentile nations, the gospel was going to go to them. Of course, Peter's main message was to the Jews. Even the church understood that when they sent them out. And Paul's main message was going to be to the Gentiles. So the vision prepared Peter to go to the house of a Roman military leader, Cornelius, who was a Gentile. He saw the entire household saved and then filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 12 goes on to say, For before that certain one came from James, this is the leadership of the Jerusalem church, he ate with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Peter came down from Jerusalem and was housed with Gentiles, members of the church. Peter, of course, ate meals with them and ate Gentile food. Probably woke up one morning, there was eggs. Oh, eggs, I like eggs. And then he saw some meat there and said, what kind of meat is this? And they said, well, that's pork, uh, you know, and bacon. And so he probably looked around and took a bite of it, thought, man, this is some of the best stuff I've ever had. He loved it. And so he really accepted the Gentile lifestyle while coming to church. And there was nothing wrong with that because God didn't tell him throughout the word of God, this food is wrong. He showed him what the food stood for. There was clean and unclean meat, but the unclean meat stood for those that didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior or tried to get saved the wrong way through the keeping of the law. So again, the laws were not designed to control you. They were designed to teach you. And Paul said that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ so that after we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that we can know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Peter enjoyed the church freedom in Antioch and he forgot to report back to Jerusalem. They sent him out. Basically, you know, go there, you know everybody, just sit there, but be sure and call us back. Let us know, send us notes about what's going on because we don't like what they're doing. Their church is growing way too fast and they're receiving a lot of notoriety that we used to have. In fact, we got people leaving Jerusalem and going to live at Antioch just to attend that church. So that after that, when Peter forgot to report back, having such a great time, can you imagine what praise and worship must have been like at the church at Antioch? Peter walked in and all of a sudden the praises of God were coming forth. He looked around, he was surrounded by Gentiles. They didn't dress like he dressed back in, in Jerusalem. And it didn't seem like they cared about how they dressed. They didn't, the, the men were not questioned about whether they were circumcised. The women weren't told, have you tied your, you know, your mint and anise and cumin, your spices. I mean, they didn't get down into all this minutia. They just came to love Jesus, praise God, win souls, get them filled with the Holy Spirit, all the wonderful things that occupy a Christian's life. This is what was going on at the church at Antioch. And Peter so enjoyed the church freedom in Antioch, 
he didn't report back to Jerusalem, forgot all about it, and was living with Gentiles, eating with Gentiles, and having the time of his life, and probably thinking about that housetop vision. This is what it meant. It was the fact that it was representing the nationalities of the people. No, and it wasn't so much it was representing the food. It represented the fact that God loves all of us, and I need to do the same thing. But here's the point. Whenever these legalistic people got to Antioch, Peter withdrew from the people of the church and wouldn't fellowship with the Gentiles of the church. And Peter caused a church split between the Jews and the Gentiles. And it was so bad that Barnabas, the pastor of the church, got caught up and his Jewishness came out and he even split away from the Gentiles. And a giant split came right down the middle. And the only one left that could pull those two things back together was the apostle Paul. And we'll take up what he addressed Peter with in the verses to come when we get back right after the break. And so I will see you right after the break. The Apostle Paul knew that works can't bring salvation. The Galatian churches, after believing the gospel of grace in Christ, were misled into Jewish law. Paul wrote to them, confronting their foolishness. His letter declared salvation by faith alone, not based on effort or observance, but solely upon the grace of God. In this New Testament commentary on Galatians, Bob Yandian defines legalism, its effects on the Galatians, and its impact on today's church. Seeing how legalism infected the Galatian churches, we can learn to overcome this subtle attack on believers today. To order this New Testament commentary on Galatians, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let's continue on with Galatians chapter 2, and we're starting with verse 13 at this point. And again, Peter, 
has come to the church at Antioch from the church at Jerusalem, sent out by the legalistic men of the church at Jerusalem to go and check out this church that teaches the grace of God, is growing by leaps and bounds, filled with excitement, people running around everywhere, inviting people to church, which they didn't do at Jerusalem. And he got so caught up in laws and keeping the law and, and wondering, am I, am I still saved today? Am I following God correctly? Because am I keeping the law? And what happened was the church at Jerusalem kind of got into this mold. Oh yeah, you're saved by grace, but you know what? You're kept by the law. You've got to go to the law afterwards because God gave it. And so Paul's going to bring that out that it wasn't given for salvation. It wasn't given for spirituality. The purpose of the law was to teach you that you're a sinner. And once you become saved, you're no longer under the law. If you do try to get saved by your good works, church attendance and all that, you'll find out it doesn't work. You'll become discouraged and tired. But once you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, freedom comes to you. And that's what is going to happen in this chapter. We're going to take a look at verse 13. This is all out of my book on the book of Galatians. And again, the whole purpose of this book is to teach us we are not under legalism. We're not under the law that we've been delivered out of that. And so the book of Galatians is a book written to Gentiles who were trying to act like Jews. This very much ties in with the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews also deals with legalism, but it's directed toward Jews. The church of Jerusalem, the book of Hebrews that was written to them, the purpose was to show them they don't need the law. They don't need the law for salvation. They don't need it for uh, for walking with God and growing up and becoming a disciple. But the word of God will do that. But if you do get under the law, understand what it's for. It's only to show you you're a sinner and need a savior, Jesus Christ himself. And then the book of Galatians was written to Gentiles, of which that's to us. And so those books again complement each other. Same theme written to two different groups of people. Verse 13 says this. It says here in Galatians 2.13 that the other Jews became hypocrites, likewise with him. This is with Peter and his action that he did uh, by pulling away from the uh, from the Gentiles of the church, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Twice this word is used in this verse of scripture. First of all, it's translated hypocrites. The other Jews became hypocrites. It's the word hypocrites. It's simply a transliteration into hypocrite, but again, it means to play the hypocrite. Find it is, it says he was carried away with their dissimulation, and this is hypocrisy. The introduction of the law into a church that knows grace of God is hypocrisy. It's turning your back on the Lord. Let me give you the definition for the word hypocrite. The word hypocrite, hypocrites, was a term from the theater in those days. It means to speak from behind a mask. The mask told the audience the mood of the scene, whether joy or sorrow. So a man would walk out with a big mask in front of his face and he either had a big grin on it or it had a sorrowful look on it, a frown. And the people knew this was either going to be sorrowful because of the frown or it's going to be joyful because of the big grin that was on the face. It helped the audience to understand. But the man that spoke from behind the mask was called the hypocrite. And what this verse is saying is that anyone who becomes a hypocrite is speaking from behind a mask. Legalism is speaking from behind a mask of what you are not. You are portraying a picture of perfection, which no one can attain in their own strength, only by the word of God, only by the new birth, only by the indwelling Holy Spirit and a walk in the spirit. 
By doing that, we can again become successful Christians. So the mass told the audience the mood of the scene, but God said that's what they were. They were like actors and they had a face in front of them that they couldn't even keep it themselves. Jesus said this, especially in the book of Matthew, he tore them apart in, in chapter 23 of Matthew. He told them, you hypocrites, and he used that word over and over again. You say this, but you do this. You can't even live up to the laws that you quote to everybody else. To wear the mask is to play the hypocrite. And Peter at that point was basically two-faced and he dragged Barnabas in on it also. Barnabas was swept away by the hypocrisy and he was saying something different than the, what the word of God had to say. And he was even saying things different than he had said just weeks before. He later was in line with Paul and over Mark returning to their travels. In other words, there's time a time when Mark turned away and Paul turned against Mark, but we find there that Barnabas stayed with Mark and Barnabas was right and Paul was wrong. In this case, this argument, Paul's going to be right and Barnabas is going to be wrong. And the whole issue of, of Mark is later brought out in Acts chapter 15, verses 35 through 41. Interesting story about a young man who failed and Paul jumped all over him, but Barnabas stuck with him and Mark ended up being a great man of the word of God and probably had Barnabas to thank for it later. Paul would not take Mark because he deserted them in Pamphylia, but Barnabas stood up for Mark and he was right. And Paul even later admitted that he was right in Colossians chapter four and verse one in 2 Timothy 4.11. In this story, Peter's separation from the Gentiles even caused the pastor Barnabas to play the part of a hypocrite. So we have the open confrontation of Antioch in verses 14 through 21. And here we have law and grace colliding with each other. And we have Paul on this side. On this side, we have Barnabas and Peter, who suddenly now we're turning toward again, back toward uh, legalism and Paul defending the gospel of grace. And Paul is going to so shut them down in this using such simple terms from the word of God, simple analogies. It makes a tremendous sermon. Pastors, I'd recommend if you're going to teach on grace and law and the difference between the two, this is a tremendous passage to take it from here in chapter two of the book of Galatians. Verse 14 through 21 says this. This was Paul's word to Peter. In verse 14, Paul said, but when I saw that they did not walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, Peter was brought before the entire congregation. The Bible warns against this. Jesus does about taking someone and chewing them out in front of everybody. But in this case, everybody was as guilty as Peter himself. A great division came between the churches and both sides were mad at each other. And so in instead of taking everyone back to an office and dealing with them there as you usually do with an individualist sin, their sin spread to everyone. So Paul did, th did this in front of everyone. So the Bills and the Johns and the Ruths and the Lindas that were sitting out in the congregation, whatever he has said to Peter, they had to go, oops, that's speaking to me. Everyone there could identify with what Paul was saying. Verse 14 says again, but when I saw that they did not walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all or in front of them all, Peter, if you being a Jew start living after the manner of the Gentiles and do not do what the Jews do, why do you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? In other words, if you are born a Jew, and have now turned to the ways of the Gentile and forsaken Jewish ways, 
Why do you want the Gentiles to live like Jews? You switch from that side to this side. Now you want them to switch from this side to that side. He says, in essence, why is the congregation practicing Judaism and you're the one helping them? Make up your mind, Peter. Were you right as a Jew or are you right as a Gentile? If you're right as a Gentile, why put the Gentiles into a Jewish mode? Besides, what about the housetop vision? These are just things I'm sure were pouring into Peter's mind as Paul was saying this. This is found in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 48 is the housetop vision that Peter saw. We who are Jews by nature, that means by birth and not sinners like the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. The Jews were given the law and thought they were automatically saved because they were something special to God. And all Gentiles were unsaved simply because they were not born Jews. Paul goes on to say again, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we, Peter, you and me, have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ, period. There's no more outside of faith to be saved. But he goes on to say, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You know what he's saying in that verse of scripture? Right on into verse 17, legalists are saying to the people, Paul is taking them away from the law, and by so doing, they cannot be saved. Verse 17, Paul goes on to say, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found to be sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin. God forbid, let it be not so. Peter's life up until now has been looking at it through Jewish standards. He was a sinner under the law. Then he was saved under grace. Now he becomes a disciple under law. Peter, were you right under grace and now are gone and now have gone to the law? Verse 17 tells us, if I am right now, then while I speak justification through Christ and seek it by keeping the law, then I find a contradiction. The law teaches me I'm now a sinner. In other words, I was a sinner. I got saved. But when I got saved, I have to go under the law. The law now teaches me I'm a sinner. That means that grace eventually becomes the very enemy of God himself. And that is not true. The law teaches me that I am now a sinner, Romans 3.20. And this would make Christ the minister of sin if it was true. That's impossible. It's blasphemous. Verse 18 goes on to say, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. When I got saved, the law was over. It was taken care of. It was removed. If I have to go back to the law again, I make myself a transgressor. If the law was wrong and I was right under grace, then to rebuild the law would make me a transgressor. I can make myself a transgressor by trying to keep the law after I'm saved, but Jesus Christ can never make me a transgressor. Verse 19, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live to God. Notice something, the law's not dead, I'm dead to it. If you try to live by the law, it kills you, but that's good. 
Now you're usable for God. You realize you're spiritually dead and need a savior and death to the law is based on the fact that I've received Jesus as savior. And today, after all these years that I am saved, the moment I accepted Jesus, even as a five-year-old, I won't have to go to the law. My church attendance is important, but not to get me to heaven. My coming to the children's class at that time was important, but not to make me spiritual. It all comes back. Grace saved me and grace keeps me going, but grace puts me under an obligation to now want to go to church, to now want to save other people and see them receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What's it simply saying? When I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I was taken back and put on the cross with him. I now live with him, was raised from the dead by him, and it all happens through the grace of God. So, the just shall now live by faith. Save by faith, live by faith. This is the importance of the Word of God. Thanks for tuning in today. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.